Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. Well, we've talked about it many times before, and that is uh, these guys are really too cool to... uh... So uh, Merry Christmas to you, and uh, I hope you're settling in and uh, thinking about this celebration and what it looks like and what it means. And So as you think about that and you kind of settle in, I want to just touch on a couple of scheduling things. Uh, First of all, this is the fourth Sunday of Advent, uh, which means it's the last Sunday before Christmas, and so uh, that's all coming down this week. And uh, Friday is Christmas Day, and so here's a couple of things for you to just remember coming up in this next week. Uh, On Thursday, Christmas Eve, we will go live at noon uh, from right here and share with you the Christmas Eve service And uh, there's a lot of things going on in that service, and uh, we have a very special gift for you at the conclusion of that service, and so uh, we want you to plan and be a part of it. If We're doing it at noon so that you can participate throughout the day when you can, and so you can come back to Facebook and uh, share the service at, you know, one, two, three, five, seven, midnight, whenever it suits you. Uh, but we want to you to be a part of the celebration. And then there is a live gathering at 4 o'clock. I believe we are waitlisting folks now. So if you're interested, we are keeping open the possibility of adding a second live service. So uh, go online and see those details. And then next Sunday, we traditionally end the year with a come and go communion service in which our pastors are available to pray over you and your family with specific needs So here's what we're going to do next week. We're going to be live here at 10 a.m., just like uh, this morning, but uh, an abbreviated service in which we share communion and I get to pray over you and your family. And so uh, come and be a part of that. We we recognize it'll be a little different. Uh, Share some devotional thoughts as we uh, think about and celebrate. Uh, Do not fear the unknown as we bring 2020, thankfully, to a close and anticipate a a much better 2021. So be a part of that. And then if you want to come and drive through, uh, pastors are going to be in the parking lot from 1030 to 1230. Uh, uh, We'll give you a card. You can give us your specific needs, and uh, a pastor will share communion and pray over you. So that's all happening, and we want you to know about it and think about it and be ready for that. And so uh, we're thinking today about this, about do not fear the present. And so as you settle in and you think about that, I I want you to just for a moment to think again about the narrative. And after 400 years of silence and three millennia of history, the angels break in on human beings. They break in on the human story. And the message that they proclaim and now will proclaim over and over throughout this uh, you know, the season of uh, the narrative of the New Testament is do not be afraid. And when you stop and you recognize for a moment what that might look like to you personally right now, that if God were to break into your home, into your family, into your thoughts, into your emotions, that, that one of the primary things he would want you to hear and know is do not be afraid. 
And so when you let that kind of settle over you and settle over your home and settle over the uncertainty, and we've talked about in this season, don't fear the past, and we've talked about don't fear the timing, and we're thinking today about not fearing the present. And if I think about that, I'm not really sure that the present is my primary area of fear. So if you just said, what are you afraid of? I'm not sure I would say I'm afraid of the present. But then when I begin to break that down a little bit, I find that there are certainly seasons in my life when the present is the thing that is holding me up. In fact, I would say that there are times in my life where it seems like just getting through the day is a big deal. And usually we call those times, times of crisis, times of difficulty. So, so you know, something's going on. The finances are in a mess or, or maybe, you know, the kids are in a mess or your parents are in a mess or you're waiting on a call from the doctor. Listen, there, there are seasons in life where just getting through the day is an enormous challenge. And it would seem to me that in this period of COVID that has become vividly true and if you'd have told me in March when this whole thing started that we'd be here in December and we'd still be having rising cases and all the stuff and all the uncertainty and still right now the, the, the issue of what to do next and how to get through the day and how to behave and, you know, what to do next is, is such a powerful and real reality. I know, no, Jesus, he, he speaks into this stuff and he says to us, listen, Every single day has enough worry of its own, and, and so he recognizes that getting through the day, the fear of the present, the processing of the present is actually a big deal, and, and he's trying to tell us, you know, don't worry. Don't let the past hold you up. Don't let the future hold you up. Today has enough things to think about, and maybe that's part of where you're living today. I, I love this story in Matthew 14, and I think it captures a lot of what you and I ought to think about, and I think it's relevant in a very big way. Listen to it, Matthew 14, 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it's I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And Peter got down out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? I find myself coming to this story when the fear of the present is a vivid thing. Because here's what's going on. Jesus is walking on the water, and he's saying to the disciples, I want you to leave the status quo. I, 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 you know, I need you to get out of the boat. You're going you're gonna to have to do some things that are going to take you out of your comfort zone. And Peter is the one who says, listen, I, I want to make that step. I want to take that step. I want to move forward. And he gets out of the boat, and he stands on what is absolutely unstable ground. He stands on things that are uncertain. He doesn't really know how to navigate this thing. And he's leaving the safety of the boat, and he's walking this uncertain path. And in some level, his goal is an apparition. They, they're, they're not sure about, is this a ghost? Is this real? In fact, the whole premise of getting out of the boat is, if this is really you, then invite me to come to you and walk on the water. What's out there is uncertain. It's kind of shimmering in the darkness. 
and he takes a few steps, and, and then the wind and the waves begin to get his attention, and he takes his eyes off Jesus, and he begins to sink, and Jesus reaches out and grabs him and lifts him. To me, it's, it's such a great metaphor for how life is working so often. That you and I, we, 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 we want to get out of the place we're in. We want to get out of the stuckness. We want to get out of the fear. We want to get out of the uncertainty. But, but whatever's out there drawing us forward is sort of, it's sort of an apparition. It's sort of shimmering out there somewhere. We're not certain about what it is. We, we think it's God drawing us. We think we've got some guidance. We think we have some instruction. And if we just carry the metaphor a little far, here's the truth. There's a whole lot of other people that are sure they see Jesus and they're jumping out of the boat and sinking like crazy. There's a whole lot of other people that, that have decided they have some level of confidence and they just, they just throw themselves over the side of the boat. We hear them splashing all around us. And often while they're splashing around, they're looking at us and going, you know, you ought to have faith like I have. But for a lot of us who don't live in that headspace, we live in this space where I, I want to go forward, I, I want to be brave, I, I want to be strong, I want to be faithful, but I'm uncertain and I don't know what that is. And I think it might be Jesus, but I'm not sure. And I think it might be guidance, but I'm not sure. And I think I might hear the Spirit, but I'm not sure. And we tentatively step out of the status quo and we, we take those tentative steps along that path and they feel unstable and uncertain and then we get our eyes on the winds and the waves, and, and we begin to sink. And it's at that moment we're relying on Jesus to reach out and take hold of us and lift us. And maybe that's descriptive of where you are right now. Right now in the middle of COVID, right now in the middle of all the things that are happening, Christmas, and Christmas always brings enormous pressure. Enormous pressure to be happy, enormous pressure to celebrate, enormous pressure to, to create memories, and it's not always simple, and it's not always easy. And maybe you experience right now that emotion of the need to get out of the boat, the need to leave where you are. Where you are isn't working that well. It's not, it's not feeling great, but it's better than getting out of the comfort zone, getting out of the status quo, and you're not quite sure what's out there. And into that very real human circumstance, Jesus resonates the words again, the most often repeated command in all of Scripture, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. When I begin to think about this Christmas story and I think about what it's all about, I think about Mary and Joseph, and I want to just talk about them for a, a few minutes this morning. And I think about the very real lives of two very young kids, Mary and Joseph. And I have to ask this question. This, this just, it bugs me. When, when God decides to intervene in human history and the story of salvation is unfolding and that's, it's a wonderful story, I bring you glad tidings of great joy that will be for all people and we get into that and that's all wonderful. But for a minute... I want to think about these two kids, Mary and Joseph, because while God is intervening in the human history, while salvation history is unfolding, while the great theological pieces are locking into place, there are two very real young people whose lives are being interrupted in a very difficult way. And here's my issue. Why? Why would God choose such a messy, complicated way 
of bringing his son into the world. It didn't have to be so difficult. It didn't have to be so messy. It didn't have to be so complicated. It didn't have to be so cryptic. I mean, the angels could have had the heavenly choir singing a whole bunch of different places, not just a bunch of disenfranchised shepherds out in the middle of nowhere. This could have been easier. It it could have been simpler. It could have been more certain. It, It could have required way less faith and complications. And here's why I think. Because I think God intends to be tabernacled in human flesh, to be a high priest who is tempted in every way as we are tempted. I think it's complicated and messy and uncertain, and it's Mary and Joseph tentatively getting out of the status quo and walking a very strange journey towards an apparition they believe to be the Holy Spirit present and powerful in their lives, but uncertain and afraid and worried sick, but taking steps anyway. And I think it happens like this so that you and I understand that this is how God works. It's how the story works. When God sends his son, he doesn't make it a situation where there's no questions and it requires no faith. And it's, it's true of you and it's true of me and it's true of our families and it's true of our lives. Because our lives are complicated and they're uncertain and they're often cryptic. And we don't always see exactly what we wish we could see. And it, it, the angels don't sing in the sky. They don't make everything clear. And we walk by faith and not by sight. And I think that's why. I want you to listen just for a moment to the actual reading of the story. First from Mary's perspective in Luke 1 and then uh, from uh, Joseph's perspective in Matthew 1. Listen to how it unfolds. Verse 26, Luke 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the the Most High. The Lord God will give him uh, the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary, asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Matthew 1, 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what's conceived is from from the Holy Spirit. And she'll give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife, but he didn't consummate the marriage until she had given birth to a son, 
and he gave him the name of Jesus. I, I see three things going on here that I think matter to you and me and I think relate to our fear of the present. The first one is this, the fear of the how. When Gabriel comes and makes the annunciation and all of this stuff is unfolding and, and heavenly beings are active and the heavens are opening up and the story is continuing and the narrative is taking flight, Mary asks this very, very practical question, how will this be? So in the middle of all of the things that are going on, in, in, in the middle of all the spirituality, in, middle, in the middle of all the visions and all the word from God and, and this direct communication, she has in her mind the same question that you and I have when we face the reality of our present. How will this be? How will we get from where we are to where we think we need to be? How will this unfold? What are the logistics of this process? That's Mary's question. Because what Mary is saying is, I know how this works. I, I, I know how this works. And I can't see any way that I'll get from where I am to where you're telling me I'm going to be, to where you're telling me God needs me to be. I can't see any way to get from here to there. How will this be? And I don't know about you, but it seems to me that's, a, that's the question, isn't it? I mean, that's what happens. Because when I'm asked to get out of the comfort zone and I'm asked to walk towards some apparition that I believe to be the leadership of God and the leadership of the Holy Spirit and where God is taking me to, and I have to take these uncertain steps and this unstable ground, those are the winds and waves that begin to get my to How? And this is what I know about myself. I know this. If there's the tiniest sliver of light if there's a tiniest sliver of, of how I can figure out or scheme or see an angle or I can see a way of how I'll get from where I am to where I think I need to be, I'll go after it. I'll, I'll work at it. I'll, 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 I'll do whatever it takes to take that little sliver, that little piece, that little piece of logic, and I'll ride that thing. But here's where it gets hard. When I can't see any how... When, when it's completely, there, there's nothing in me and my logic and my understanding that says, well, here's how. <laughs> when I have to actually trust God to get me from where I am to where I need to be, listen, that's where fear of the present takes hold of me. As long as I see some way, I keep fighting, I keep striving, I keep working, <laughs> probably not the best way for us to live in a place of peace. But I think all of us, when we think about fear of the present, I, I think when we think about COVID and we think about where we're living and we think about the holidays and we think about the challenges, how? How am I gonna get from where I am to where I think God needs me to be or where I think I need to be or what I think I need? How? And I think it's very much a part of the command, do not be afraid. Right into this question of how the angel is saying, Mary, take a breath. Calm down. The how is not about you. The how is not for you to figure out. The how is not for you to understand. What I need you to understand is that God is in this. Don't be afraid. And maybe on this Sunday morning, the last Sunday of Advent, you need to let that settle around you, whatever your how is looking like. 
whatever the fear that is surrounding that question. And you need to watch for it as you walk out into this Christmas week. Every time that how raises, how am I going to pay the bills? How, how's this job thing going to work out? How's the relationship thing going to work out? How's the COVID thing going to work out? How, 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 how? It's not, we're supposed to just keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We're supposed to take these unstable steps towards what we believe to be the God who is inviting us forward. I see a second fear unfolding, and it unfolds much more in the heart and mind of Joseph, and that is the fear of the what-ifs. Because Joseph was her husband, we're told in Matthew 1.19, and was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. In other words, Matthew tells us the story that Joseph's emotions that are running through him right now are what if? What if people find out? What if people, what will people think? What will happen? What if she's disgraced? What if she loves someone else? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? That makes the future very uncertain. In fact, uh, I, I don't know what happens to you when you get into processes in your life where, where you've needed to get out of the present comfort zone, where you feel like God's calling you, where the walk and the path is unstable, but my mind begins to sort of weave possibilities. And I'll be honest with you, my mind does not weave sort of hopeful possibilities. It weaves what-ifs. It weaves tragic possibilities. It weaves poor outcomes. It weaves, you know, things that I don't see coming and what's out there and what's lurking. And it creates this sense of genuine fear about the what ifs. When God's inviting us, when, when times are uncertain, when, when we're invited, told that we're going to have to walk by faith. Again, I, I just want you contextually to stay up with the story. God is intervening in the story, and we've sanitized this story. We've cleaned it up. We've made it sweet. But it's not sweet to two young people. It's not sweet to two young people who are supposed to be celebrating a milestone. They're supposed to be full of joy. They're supposed to be having the time of their lives, but instead they've been thrown into circumstances and in situations, and they are completely over their heads. And why? Why did God have to do it that way? Couldn't he have had the Christ child born to a king? Couldn't he have had the Christ child uh, uh, announced somehow from the heavens to somebody more important than a few shepherds? But instead he walks into the lives of two teenage kids who are wanting to get married and start a life. Don't have super high aspirations. Going to be a carpenter, keep it simple. Just going to live a comfortable, good life and raise some kids maybe and maybe plant some olives and grow some grapes and make a little wine. I don't know. But instead, this unnecessarily complicated process begins. And I don't know about you, but probably all of us started out thinking we were going to be in some simple kind of process. And then it got complicated. Somewhere in there, the fear of the present, and, and in this last year, I mean, that's just all we hear, isn't it? I mean, right now, when you turn on the news, all you hear is fear, you, you, fear, conflicting information and data, and, and you and I, we're, 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 we're looking around, we're trying to read this and hear that, and we're forming opinions, the opinions that divide us deeply, instead of stopping for a moment and go, I don't know. 
Somewhere I, I'm told this, and everything God works for the good. And not everything is good, but in everything God works for the good. And, and life is complicated, and the present is complicated. But we're supposed to be faithful. We're not supposed to be going crazy over how, and we're not supposed to be going crazy over what if. We're not supposed to be spinning webs that are all about conspiracy theories and, and, and how everything is going to fall apart. The last time I checked this book, God was fully present in the politics and the circumstances and the situations of life. And the command was, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Mary, the how is not your business. You're not going to understand it. Even when I explain it, it won't make sense because it's contrary to the logic of a human being. But it'll work out. And Joseph, the what-ifs that are spinning in your head that you call responsibility, because we do, don't we? I'm just being a responsible human. I'm just thinking about all the potential outcomes. I'm just trying to be prepared for the worst. Listen, that's a fancy way of saying I am pardoning my own fear of the future. I'm pardoning my own fear and anxiety. Do we have to be smart? Sure. Of course we do. But I bring you glad tidings of great joy that will be for all people. And this isn't simple, and it's not neat, and it's not clean, and it's not sanitized. When God shows up and asks us to get out of the comfort zone and walk the unstable journey and the uncertain steps, we're going to have to keep our eyes on him and not look at the wind and waves. And it seems to me that when we become afraid of the what-ifs, we are spinning tales about the wind and the waves. And we're talking way more about the wind and the waves and way less about the person on whom we are focused. The Christ who leads us forward and invites us into this uncertain walk by faith. And that leads us to the third moment, because I see this third thing. So there's fear of the how, there's fear of the what ifs, but there's fear number three of letting go. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. Luke 1.38, I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered, may your word be fulfilled in me, and then the angel left her. This is the most frightening part of the present, letting go. When God asks me to surrender my control over the present and the future, I want to tell you I don't like it. I struggle to let it go. Let me say that differently. When God asks me to let go of my perceived control over the present and the future, I don't like it. I don't actually logically believe that I am in control, but man, I live like it. I, I can tell you that my brain is patterned like I'm in control. My emotions are built around the concept that I am in control, that it's all riding on me. It's all up to me to figure it out. It's all up to me to, to understand I got to make the best decisions. I got to be right on top of it. What if I miss the boat? What if I make the wrong choice? What if I go the wrong direction? What if somehow the wires get crossed and this apparition that I'm following is not Jesus but something else? That I'm taking these uncertain faithful steps towards something that's not even what God wants for me? I just think it is. And into all of that comes this moment in which both Mary and Joseph, come to this moment in which they simply say, all right, 
May it be to me as you have spoken, Mary says. And Joseph says, and when he had awakened, he went and took Mary. He, took, he, he went and did what he had perceived God was asking of him. He went ahead and said, okay, I'm throwing aside the what ifs and I'm just going to do what you said. And Mary says, I'm going to throw aside the house and may it be to me as you've spoken. And somehow I think for you and I, it matters so much that we allow ourselves in this moment of time to just let go. What are you afraid of? What's twisting you up about right now? What's twisting you up about this Christmas season or COVID or the vaccine or the not vaccine or the future or the politics? What's twisting you up? God sent his son into a very messy, complicated process because that's what life is. And if he'd have sent his son into some pristine process, you and I would be reading this story and going, well, that'll never happen to me. Well, it'll never be anything like that for me. Well, nothing like that will ever happen to me. This happened to do very real people. And it happened to them against their expectation, hopes, wishes, dreams. It happened to them when they thought it would be this and it turned out to be this. And they asked the questions, how? And what if? And somewhere in there they came to this moment in which they simply said, I'm going to let go. I'm going to surrender it. And I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. And I'm going to trust in the face of everything I can't control. I'm going to let my life and my circumstances fall into the hands of a God who is for me and not against me. Who is working in all things for my good. Who is watching over my children and my grandchildren and my parents. Who is weaving his presence into everything. And more importantly than any of that, working his will in ways I cannot possibly imagine. And if I'm not careful, I will waste my life on the hows and the what ifs and I will never find the peace and the providence of letting go and that matters the band's going to come back and we're going to just kind of sing a closing song and a response and as we do I just want to kind of share something personal with you you know, when I get up every week to speak, I, I, years and years ago I started a ritual, and maybe I've mentioned this to you before, but I started a ritual, and the ritual was pretty simple. Uh, I would pray from the 19th Psalm, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, my Lord and Savior. So that was kind of part of the ritual of, of just coming to preach, of just kind of sitting down and, and at some point saying, you know, about to preach the gospel, about to do, you know, and it wasn't long before I realized that's not enough. You know, I, I need something a little, it's too late. Does that make sense? It, came, it occurred to me that asking God to bless what I've already said or what I'm about to say, but you know, and I guess part of what I ran into in that is I started to realize, you know, what I'm really saying to God is I'm going to go say a bunch of stuff and I hope you know, it'll be what you wanted me to say. And so I, I altered the prayer, and now I pray it a little differently. And the prayer goes like this. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be ordered by and therefore pleasing to you. And over the last few weeks and months, I, as I've thought about that and the fact that I pray it 
in this situation, I've thought, you know, God must look at me sometimes and think, why do you only pray that when you're about to preach? Why would that not be the cry of your heart? Why would that not be your daily moment? Why would you not pray that like a breath prayer? Because it seems to me that as I walk through this daily path and fear becomes a part of the present, that maybe that's the prayer I need to pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be ordered by and therefore pleasing to you. And then I realize that David in Psalms, he's not saying it's not a blanket prayer. May these words of my, he's very specific. May these words of my mouth and these meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. It's a moment-by-moment prayer. It, it, it's a day-by-day, minute-by-minute, circumstance-by-circumstance, conversation-by-conversation, fear-by-fear. And so as we respond to the Word today, as we enter into this week of Christmas, my prayer for you is this, that you could set aside the fear of the past and the fear of the timing and the fear of the present and the fear of the future. We're going to talk about Christmas Eve and fear of the unknown that we're going to worship around next Sunday. And you could enter into a space in which the power of God that encourages you to step out of the comfort zone and walk the unstable journey towards the apparition that you believe to be the leadership of God. Keep your eyes on Jesus and not the wind and the waves and enter into this celebration that we call Christmas because it symbolizes every bit of this truth. Pray with me. God, we give you thanks. And as people join around from their homes and wherever they might be as they join in this moment, but in the moments that will follow throughout this week, we take a deep breath and we're going to lay some things down. Would you forgive us? We must look so comical at times as we try to run the world from our little perch. And maybe not even the whole world, but just our own world. We try to make sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing in the way that they're supposed to be doing it. And the truth is we're barely qualified to run our own lives, much less anyone else's. So would you take the fear of the hows and the fear of the what-ifs and the fear of the letting go, and would you remind us that as we surrender the how, And as we let go of the what-ifs and as we surrender our own selves and we let go of our perceived control, this is the place where we shift our eyes from the wind and waves and we look full in the face of Jesus and we find you reaching to lift us and we are walking the unstable path by faith. May these words of our mouths and these meditations of our heart be ordered by and therefore pleasing to you. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. Merry Christmas. Let's respond to the word. Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.